Welcome to the Creative Brew, helping you keep your creative juices brewing. We're giving out chunks of insight, motivation, and practicality for your creative journey. My next partner is Elevate Coffee Trading, and if you appreciate specialty coffee, enjoy outdoor adventure, and love helping elevate the lives of children around the world, then you're going to love Elevate Coffee Trading. Their mission is to extract hope through love, coffee, and adventures. There's free shipping in the United States, and every bag of coffee helps sponsor health and education for children in coffee-producing countries and in areas of need in the United States. You can use promo code ELEVATE21 on your next order, and you can follow their journey on social media at Elevate Coffee Trading. Or you can visit online at ElevateCoffeeTrading.com, and let's start extracting hope together. And this show is brought to you by Tennessee Grappling Apparel, based out of the Knoxville area. Lifestyle wear for the modern wrestler or grappler. Use the promo code CB10 on your next purchase at TennesseeGrapplingApparel.com. Welcome to a new episode of The Creative Brew. Today we have Amy Forsyth. She's an award-winning military journalist um, who, who went on five tours um, throughout her career. Um, she's also, like I said, I had to I had to put this list down because, like I said, really she's done a lot a lot of things that I'm probably doing in this service as far as all the things she's done. But um, she has uh, she started out her career as a U.S. Marine uh, combat correspondent in 1993 and now serves as the public affairs officer uh, with the U.S. Naval Reserve. Uh, her imagery has taken her all over the world um, and has been featured in numerous international and uh, national media outlets. And right now, she's recently just published a book called Heroes Live Here, which showcases the history of uh, the Camp Pendleton uh, military base. And she recently just got inducted into the Women's Museum of California 2023 Hall of Fame for the historian category. Um, welcome, Amy Forsyth, to the show. Um, I'm sure, is there anything else I could add in there? <laughs> I'm a dog mom and I live in North County in Fallbrook, California, and uh, Oceanside is just near and dear to my heart, but uh, thank you so much for having me um, today and connecting. So I've just been such a big fan of yours, and so it's a real treat for me to be with you today. I appreciate it. So you got some fur babies. Uh, what's yes. the, what, what kind of dog do you have? <laughs> oh, well, it's actually called a boonie. It's like a mix. Um, we got her when we lived on the island of Guam. And so, um, you know, I'd never had a dog before. And so I just didn't understand why these people were so crazy about their dogs. But I know now because she's been a very special part of our family for almost eight years when we first got her in, uh, when we were stationed on the island of Guam. And she's just been a, a great dog, but it's a like a terrier mix, about 25 pounds. And she's a great walking dog and she's brought a lot of happiness to us. So thanks. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. So uh, Amy, just tell us a, a little bit about your story, you know, um, how you got started. Like I said, you can keep it as, as short as you mm -hmm. want to. It's completely up to you. Um, but just tell, tell our audience a little bit about you and then where you are now. Yeah, well, I am a proud Marine veteran. I joined the Marines in 1993. I enlisted uh, to be a photographer. 
Um, I was born and raised in Northern California in a town called Santa Rosa, which is in Sonoma County. It's just north of San Francisco. And I was sort of following in my grandparents' footsteps. My grandfather was a Marine and my grandmother was an Army nurse. And they met during World War II on the island of Guam, as it turns out. So I always grew up hearing their stories about military service, and it really was interesting to me. And I thought, um, if I could just master learning how to use the camera and tell stories, I could really be of service. So I grew up on movies like Top Gun, Full Metal Jacket, Platoon, and just, you know, that post-Vietnam era, that in-between era is just really attractive to me. So uh, joined the Marines and started really my first duty station. I was on Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, where I did radio and television. So during our training in the military, you get training on um, photography, video production, radio, community relations, public speaking, all the things that are related to um, communications and how to do that. And my job was being a combat correspondent. Uh, working for the base newspaper, doing tours, doing outreach, working with the community. And so I've just kind of done a, a lot of different things throughout my career and uh, trying to be creative, trying to push the limits of what the Marine Corps was doing at the time and experimenting with new ways to tell our story, tell the story about the Marine Corps. Let's do a podcast. Let's do digital imagery, let's do video, game shows, man on the street question, kind of looking at the industry and saying, hey, if they can do that at the TV station, a regular TV station, let's do it for us. And so I feel pretty good about being able to push those limits, have some really great teamwork and success, make it fun, interesting, educational, informative, and really bringing content to the Marine Corps, and then also for the community to learn about what military lifestyle is all about. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So right now, I mean, do you feel like it's been, even now with everything that you're doing and even putting out the new book, do you feel like it's necessary even for the, like the new generation um, to learn about past history and sort of uh, see the stories of, of the people that um, that participated in these wars and, and all the scenarios and circumstances. Do you, I mean, do you feel like that's um, really needed today? Well, I do. And thanks for asking. So a culminating milestone for me was something that happened last year. I published this book called Heroes Live Here. And it really is a tribute to Camp Pendleton Marines um, service during Iraq and Afghanistan. And as you mentioned, I served five combat tours I was in Iraq and Afghanistan as a photographer coming co combat operations um, through the 20 years, uh, really on again, off again. And I was taking pictures on base, on the military base, and saw a lot of tributes to those that had served in Iraq and Afghanistan. I just, it started as, let me take some photos, and then I wanted to share it with our um, Gold Star families and, and those that lost loved ones. But then I thought, you know, stories like this of um, just different memorials that are on base, I'll, uh, maybe other people are interested in the history and the legacy of what's come from that. And so I put a lot of my own photos from Iraq and Afghanistan through the years in the book. And then it sort of took on a life of its own and being able to share some of this artwork from our combat artists, these color renderings um, from combat artists in the That's book. Awesome. And so, um, you know, I never could imagine in a million years 
of me being an author, you know, with that in my title, but it really came together and people have been so supportive, especially in the North County region, because even some of the history I used um, that I told the story about the base and the history of Camp Pendleton and some early days. And so people can learn what was life like even before the base um, became the base. There's a long history and the rich California history here of the base of, it was a working cattle ranch, but before that, the uh, Native Americans lived on the base and the river that runs right through the Santa Margarita River. And so through a lot of my research, it's really interesting. So now I get a lot of requests to do speaking engagements so that people can learn about the history of the region and then what the base just celebrated its 80th anniversary last year. And so um, it's really one of the largest training bases in America where there's 45,000 Marines and sailors stationed there, plus their families. It's 100,000 people uh, a daytime population. So a lot of people just kind of love to hear about that and teaching the next generation about the legacy of the Marines that went before them and then the community as a whole to try to bridge that gap between um, the civilians and then the military so we can all uh, coexist and, and live uh, together uh, oh, yeah, and I, understand I, each other. It, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's the big thing is, is learning how to understand the, the you know, the, the mindset and the culture uh, with the Marines. I, I sort of grew up in a, you know, military uh, background. Um, you know, I wasn't in the Marines, but my, all my uncles were in the Marines. Um, I had a, you know, uh, my, my cousin in the Marine, uh, actually, well, I had one in the Air Force, another one in the Marines. Uh, my aunt, she was, uh, she's a retired sergeant. Um, so the military has always sort of been um, in the background and, and even, you know, the way, you know, they, they raised me up was being in that, you know, Marine, you know, lifestyle. So um, I think for me personally, I think it's it's more like I can understand where they're coming from uh, with a lot of Marines. Um, now I don't I don't want to live that life, but I do understand <laughs> where they're coming from and being respectful of that and and knowing um, you know and I and I talk I know personally for me I, I talk to a lot of the military in my in my wrestling class and you know and they like I said they've told me all kinds of things so being you know being really. Uh, cognizant of their their mental health and you know understanding like where where they are from a day to day basis and and knowing that you know they they've got stories to share and and at the same time too they've got you know struggles too and and I think like people like you and, and others are doing um, you know some great work trying to um, really trying to uh, promote that and magnify that and and figure out ways of of sharing the stories of the of of veterans. Um, you know, so so you said from the book, where you said that uh, those illustrations were those from veterans. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so a Marine um, combat uh, artist that I served with in Iraq, he okay. he was out there doing his watercolors of you know combat in uh, the region in Iraq, and um, I asked him if he would want to share these, and I put them in the book. And so just any creative ways to that no one has seen those watercolors, you know, and um, just to give people the sense of what it was like through photos, through stories, and then the illustrations of the watercolors and just taking a creative look. And so just a different way to tell the story and um, really highlight his work, but then um, of what he, what he experienced too. And so um, a couple other excerpts, I asked people for contributions 
to share their thoughts on Camp Pendleton and their own experience and what that means. And so just it's kind of a collaborative effort really to bring in inputs and um, help people tell their story. And if it brings comfort and closure to, to the Marines and the family members to learn how we honor our, our fallen, because a lot of people don't have access to go on base to see some of these memorial sites. And so uh, my next goal with the book is taking that to the next level with doing incorporating some video segments from the base and maybe some audio recordings to really capture that history of what um, what it what it means to serve. And especially with Camp Pendleton, if you remember back in August of 2021, when we were all watching the TV and our withdrawal from Afghanistan within hours of hearing that the unit that was um, affected most was the Marines who were killed were from Camp Pendleton. And so yeah. within hours, people were aligning the front gate with memorial flowers and tributes to those fallen. And so it really you know, captured our hearts, but um, knowing that the community cares so much about Camp Pendleton and they may hear the booms and see the aircraft flying overhead and wondering what's going on over there on the base, but knowing that the training continues, the mission is to be ready for when our nation calls. And so that means uh, a great deal of sacrifice and uh, support from the community. So always to keep them in mind and make sure that they realize that we do appreciate their support in all fashions and always um, as we live here and then move around to different duty stations. Yeah, that's great. So with, with you being a, you know, being in journalism and, and photography, you know, has, and this is something that I've, I've I don't know if this is probably more of a theory of mine and I've, I've been sort of experimenting and asking other other creators, but is, is this something that you felt like um, you were being led to do something like this? Or did you feel like, hey, you know, I was in a completely different, I want to do something completely different. And I ended up being a military journalist. Is this something like you always wanted to do or, or maybe some kind of inkling of it? Well, I, you know, I was lucky because I kind of knew the job I wanted. And then the recruiter said, okay, we can make that happen. I had to take a test and I got the job and I, I fell right into that training pipeline. Um, and so we all go to a school called the, the Defense Information School. It's located in Maryland and we get our initial training and I've been back several times for follow-on courses, but I could not be more thrilled because it's always what I wanted to do at least once I figured out what I wanted to do. And I was sort of late into getting to uh, the Marine Corps. I was 22, where most people are like 18 or 19. But once I finally got um, a seat in, and go to recruit training, and then the school uh, really is just my passion to share the courage it takes to wear a uniform. And so by doing that with either sharing it in direct engagement with the community, like one-on-one -on -one or going doing speaking or inviting them to the base or through mastering using a camera, uh, video camera. So for many years, I worked as a military journalist reporter, TV reporter. So I would go out and cover stories and work for the uh, American Forces Network. And that's like an overseas network where I'd do reporting and live reporting. And then I worked for the base um, newspapers. And so all forms of journalism really was um, 
I was trying to, you know, be good at all of them. And so now with convergence, media convergence is that our military members have to know how to use a still camera, video camera, create audio bytes, do digital imagery. And so if you can learn how to do all those things, you're really going to carve out a niche for yourself and be really marketable once you get out and, and you want to work in journalism. And we have many um, veterans who have gone through that training pipeline and then worked in journalism and been very successful. And so once I, I left active duty in 2001, and I actually worked in TV for many years as a reporter, but then I knew once 9-11 happened that my, see, I was going to be the next um, Oprah Winfrey or Barbara Walters, right? But my, my career took a different path once 9-11 happened, and I got uh, mobilized, recalled back to active duty to serve in Afghanistan and Iraq, and this just kept going on for years and years and years. And so... Um, now that the wars are over, I feel like there's, you know, I can still take on more and do more. And now that um, things are kind of wide open and I'm not deploying overseas anymore, uh, kind of gives me some options to do that. Because I always felt that as long as we were at war, I wanted to be ready to go on the next deployment and not just Iraq or Afghanistan, but I've always been ready to go. And I served in Romania Poland, places like Sri Lanka, Guam, Republic of Palau. And so I've been, it's just been an amazing journey to be able to go and cherry pick assignments to go and cover military exercises around the world. And so that's how my photos and video have been picked up by major news outlets is because I take the photos and then upload them to our distribution system and then other media outlets can use it because they were not able to be there, you know, me and the front lines or um, in in position to capture the imagery. So I'm really just like a one person, one man band to capture all the imagery and then send it out to the media outlets. Oh, that's that's cool. And that's a, that's a great little niche. Um, and I, I think some people um, and it's and I've been talking with more um, high school students and, and they're, you know, they're trying to figure out their, their way through, you know, the cradle, you know, just the cradle journey. And it's just, like I said, it's no, um, you know, no linear path. I mean, you're going to go all over the place and you'll, you'll end up figuring out a way to sort of create your own uh, niche. You know, I, I really feel like, you know, if you're resourceful and you, you get, you know, you, you find those opportunities and, and uh, you're able to uh, make the most of them. I mean, you can find a little, little niche. I mean, even, with what you're doing, I've, I'm I'm real big on figuring out, and I've, I've talked to other um, you know creators. I, I'm really big about figuring out ways of being more of a what you're doing, more of a distribution model, to where you know you can create all this content and then release it out to you know so many different uh, media outlets. That's that's a whole completely different ball game, uh, I believe. Yes, and it really is the. You're never done once you just create it. Now you have to, you know, push it out for placement mm -hmm. and then track it and like, oh, if this outlet and this outlet picked up my content, we want to do metrics and analysis on that to show our bosses or other people how to get the placement, because that's always, you know, the final component of it of uh you got to get it placed. It's one thing to take great content, but so what, where did it go? And so those are always some competitive edges that I like to show people how the next generation, how to get it placed. If you um, 
push out a link to an editor or the uh, assignment desk at a TV station and say, you know, this might be something you're interested in. This is, you can use this. And here's a story of how to wrap around it or find a tie. And what we like to do in the military, especially is when people have hometowns, whether it's, you know, um, Houston, Texas or Sarasota, Florida, or Indianapolis, then we can send those to, directly to news directors and um, assignment editors in those hometowns and talk about their hometown hero. If there's a Marine who's from Houston, Texas, we can definitely get an interview or placement of B-roll and photos. They always love to see content from when, um, you know, hometown people are out doing things. And so we've had great success with placement in that way. But that takes a lot of work. And a lot of people you know, maybe don't want to take it to the next level, but getting placement of content is really a win. And, um, you know, showing people the courage it takes to wear a uniform. And here, this Marine, he just graduated high school last year, but he's now working in Afghanistan or Iraq or in on deployment in, uh, in you know, Europe somewhere. So there's always ways to tell the story. It's just being creative. And I think, that what helped me is working in civilian TV, working for um, TV station in San Diego and working in different media. It showed me ways that I could definitely promote, uh, push out content because those people, those reporters are always looking for ways to get good B-roll and they'll they'll figure out how to tell that story. That's great. That's that, that's that's cool. That is, uh, yeah, that that's something that, yeah, if you can teach people how to do that and that's, that that's a cool little model. Um, so, with, with you being, um, like I said, you've been overseas, been on overseas missions. Um, what what's been, and like I said, you can elaborate however you want to. Um, what's been situations to where you had to employ um, some resourcefulness or creativity? I, I mean, like I said, I know it's not a you know you go overseas and you're in you know wartime. It's not a scripted situation. You're going to be sort of all over the place. Um, what's what's been some of those situations? Well, you know, the language barrier can be a real barrier if if you're not sure how to figure that out. But anytime I go into a foreign country, I always like to work with the State Department reps who obviously know the local media uh, appetite for con uh, covering military. And so working with them or going straight to media and doing some media uh, engagements. So for example, when I was deployed to the country of Poland, I um, wanted to go to the local little village media. They have a TV station, newspaper, magazines. And so I met with them to talk about opportunities to cover what we were doing. And this was about four or five years ago. And so that was a great way. I brought my interpreter and said, let's go to the media and um, make some opportunities. Let's make something happen to get coverage of what we were doing. And so that turned out to be a real success because it built the relationship and where they were afraid to come and ask, can we cover this or is this open? But really just opening those doors and realizing that we have a lot more in common than we do differences. And so knowing that while I was serving as a Navy public affairs officer. So I switched from the Marines to the Navy. I went from enlisted to being an officer in the Navy Reserve and I got mobilized to Poland. And just being able to open some doors and then the person maybe who came behind me already had open doors. But 
really just uh, finding out ways for greater placement and making the effort to go to them as opposed to waiting for someone to come to you. And so when we look back on a deployment and say, did I do everything I could have to tell the story about our mission? Because those, those are ways to really um, further what we're doing and, and bridge the gap between the local community that lived there to where our troops were. And so in order for the local populace to better understand the mission mm -hmm. so that they could you know, easily welcome troops into their restaurants or hotels or the malls and dining facilities, you know, we want to educate and inform the local publics, just like we would here in Oceanside or North County. We want the locals to understand the mission and have some better understanding so that when Marines are out shopping or they bring their parents for a visit, that the local population understands what we're doing here. And so that takes, you know, some real, I want to say, uh, foot traffic or shoe leather to go, you know, walking around or go make the time to go have a meeting with people, knocking on doors and getting out there to um, just open, open some opportunities. That's great. That's great. So right now, I mean, like I said, you've got the, got the book out. Uh, what's been, you know, what's been some successes and challenges for you? I mean, like I said, I know promoting a new book, um, you know, <laughs> it can be challenging at times, um, but can be awarding, uh, rewarding too. So what, what's been those, uh, what's been those, you know, opportunities, those, you know, successes and those challenges, especially with, you know, promoting the, the new book? Yeah, well, the book Heroes Live Here, you know, I took a path to do more of an independent publishing. A lot of people want to get a book deal and go with the big publishing house, but I knew that my content was going to be very um, specific to this region. And so in order to maintain all creative control, I did sort of a hybrid uh, pu publishing method. I used a distribution company called Book Baby. And through and it get promotes on Amazon and um, you know all the other Barnes and Noble, but uh, some of the challenges are really um, getting people to know about it if it's not being pushed through the big uh, big publishing houses. But uh, some great successes is that I've used the local community or the local community has come really through with opportunities to put the book in their bookstores or their locations. So for example, the Visit Oceanside uh, Welcome Center in Oceanside carries this book. And so when people stop in there and they want to learn more about the region or about Camp Pendleton, the book is there for, for sale. But I've been inundated with speaking engagements and uh, talking about the book. And that's really where a lot of my sales come from. And, you know, I'll never sell a million copies, but I'm very satisfied with making sure that the copies that I do sell are placed in the right places for the people who are really most interested in the book. So some key locations, whether it's hotels or the welcome centers or um, locally owned bookstores. And so I've just really had such a great experience with that and not having a big publishing house to do all the promotions, but some speaking engagements and partnering with other veteran authors um, to really tell different stories about our journey. So um, I'm thinking about maybe another book or a, a patriotic journal or some other ideas that have come along the way. So as you mentioned, having a career path 
without being married to the career path, I'm, I'm really kind of open to some ideas, even, at, you know, this late uh, stage of my career where, where I'm thinking, um, you know, now where the, the window is narrowing and say like before I retire, but like, what else could I do? Do I want to do? And so, I mean, whether you're retiring in two years or 20 years, you still want to maximize your time and figure out uh, what are the projects or the things that I want to do before it's over, you know, uh, yep. before it gets too late. And so uh, the, the community here has been so welcoming and so grateful that they have something to pull from, from a historical perspective. Mm -hmm. But I always want to inspire other people that now with independent publishing being so, I wouldn't say easy, but a lot more accessible nowadays is that anyone, anyone, if I can do it, anyone could publish their own book. And so with just some good teamwork, I had a layout and design team. I had a, a graphic designer and I kind of had a book coach to help me with the business side um, that really got me through to the finish line. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Especially when, uh, yeah, developing a book, it, it, it takes a, it takes a village to do that. Um, uh, you know, some yes. people are like, Hey, I want to do this book. And I was like, okay, it, it takes a group of people to produce something like that. Um, it does. And, you know, I thought, oh my gosh, it took six months, eight months for me to just get everything put together. And finally it went to print, but then that was just, what I thought that was the hard part. That was the easy part because the hard part comes with building an audience, building buzz and actually booking in the speaking engagements and the book signings and then showing up. You know, you have to show up even when you don't feel like it or you've had, you know, a full day at work and then you go to an evening event or going on a Sunday afternoon to do a book signing. And so keeping that high momentum up and then online on social media, you really have to have a very organized, methodical way of delivering content to your audiences and keeping up your email marketing. So there's so many things to consider when doing that. Um, and nobody gets rich writing a book. I'll tell you, no one, it's not like a money-making endeavor However, it's very rewarding and fulfilling and it can support and position people to be, you know, experts in things. And with the research I learned, I learned a lot. And so I, I want to share that with people who are interested and curious about the history or the legacy of the Marines, you know, who served in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so really, uh, that's been the biggest blessing is to learn all that. And then for people who are actually interested in to learn more. And so uh, being able to share that with high school students and college students and, you know, people long, uh, longstanding residents in the area who, who were curious, but never really knew the history of Camp Pendleton and the region. So it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a really rich history of um, even in this North County um, area that not a lot of people, I, I mean, even like I said, I've, I've been here since 2014, I'm still learning, you know, new things. Um, so yeah, it's uh, a really long and rich history when, once you start deep diving into a lot of, a lot of different things. So, um, yeah, that's, that, that that's great. Um, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You're not going to get rich, um, you know, selling <laughs> books, but, but I think it does give you the platform for other things, um, mm -hmm. too, as well. So, um, it does. And, you know, I worked in TV before social, all before social media. So I've really kind of, and I moved 
moved away and I was deployed a lot, but um, Oceanside in North County was sort of my home base for a while while I was stationed here. But I was living on Guam for five years and then we we came back here during COVID. So really kind of had to restart and rebuild some of those relationships um, in the community and love seeing the transformation that's occurred in Oceanside. And it's just a real vibrant place to be with the new hotels and the restaurants and you know, showcasing that for people, especially on base, um, for the Marines to get out more and be a part of the community and uh, helping liaison with the Visit Oceanside team to, you know, their um, very detailed outreach effort to market Oceanside as a destination. And then people come here, there's a lot more to it than just the restaurants and hotels, but the history with the mission, San Luis Rey, and, you know, the base and the tie, tying it to um, the old California history that a lot of people don't know about. So it's, uh, but I, I've enjoyed living, coming back to this area and just um, replugging in with the community. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, anytime, anytime I talk to some of the, you know, military, uh, military guys, I'm like, get out of your barracks. So like, yeah, let's go do something. I say, yeah, sometimes they get sort of stuck in there, and um, yes. you know they're just up there doing nothing. I'm like, get out, get off the base, go go out and you know explore, do some things. Um, you know, yes, and sharing that like so through uh, food sites or people out there doing stuff on like where to eat, where to play, where to stay, and so any chance to get to share that with them so they can come and enjoy. Um, where they're stationed. There's a saying in the military, ho uh, home is where the military sends you. So for now, it's their home. They may as well come out, go to the gyms, go to the concerts, go to the restaurants um, for to experience really what the California lifestyle is really all about. And I feel like Oceanside, especially in Carlsbad too, is that an authentic California that you daydream about you know uh, it's not too built up it's still sort of small and you got the surfing community and just that legacy there um that you won't find anywhere else in any other california coastal town yeah it's it's, it's, it's interesting very interesting because you've got the you know the development of of the city going on and then at the same time you have a little pushback from you know from a lot of the locals to wanting to keep it you know how it's been so yeah it's it's gonna be I think it's gonna be interesting you know five to ten years as far as what that's going to uh transform into yeah it uh took him tw 20 years to vote and decide to build a hotel right down uh, town to have a conference room big enough to hold an event and uh these voting issues that have been held up um and finally, now they're getting a Starbucks uh, right off the 76, which people voted against for many, many years. But yeah. uh, I think now it's coming to fruition. So um, and just some revitalization. So it, it's been interesting to watch and for being creative of how to tell that story and, and draw people in uh, without alienating maybe residents and mm -hmm. um, but my 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 goal really is to bridge the gap between the communities of you know the civilian communities and the Camp Pendleton, the Marines, and um, telling their story. And it's important because they're training hard, they're ready for when the nation needs us, you know, needs them to go forward. And 
Um, for those watching the news out there, you know, every day you're almost, you feel like we're almost on the verge of, of war with China or Russia. And so it, it can be a little bit unsettling. But when you hear the Marines training and the aircraft going overhead, their highest priority is to train and be ready for when the nation calls. Yeah. So uh, right now, um, you know, what is a uh, creative tip? You know, I ask, I ask this for all my, uh, all my guests. Um, what is a creative tip or tips that you can provide for our audience? Well, you know, being curious as a journalist, you always have to be curious enough to know what's the story behind that? What's the backstory? What, uh, how did that happen? Or how long has that been there? And so I think being curious enough to learn about that and then share with other people, like, ah, I found that very interesting. I bet other people would too. And so having that confidence to say, I'm going to retell this story through my own voice or through the use of photography or art or some sort of creative way to retell that story. And so now with social media, I mean, everyone can be a storyteller. And so we've seen so many great creative people emerge. Um, the the bottleneck or the filters are, are sort of removed. Now, every, you don't have to work for a, as a journalist for a big TV station or a, a newspaper. Everyone can tell that story. And so for those inclined and want to be creative, I think using knowing how, what tools to use, how to tell that story, being able to um, manage digital assets is always important because you can be overwhelming with the cascade of different streams of photos and information and how to how to package it up. Um, it really is important and, and promote it too. It's great if someone is a great artist or has a great photo collection, but in order to share that, you have to kind of um, have alliances who can also promote for you and speak on your behalf. So asking people, can you please share this or can you please help me promote that? Um, a lot of people are afraid of that, and a lot of people don't want to ask, um, but if you're a creative person, you have creative ideas and products and an exhibit or artwork or something to share, it's okay to ask people, will you help share this? Do you mind? Or I trust you enough that within your network, I would love to get your help to share this. And usually when people ask me, I'm very inclined to help because I want to promote other people too. People get bored with just, you know, Amy's this, that. I like, I want to share, like, you guys have to go see this or you have to go to this show or this is something you'll want to see. And so um, uplifting and inspiring those other people when you can get other people to talk about your, your work. Um, it really means a lot. And speaking and advocating for other people up and coming. Um, people who need that extra lift. And so if you can ever be that voice for someone else, um, it's kind of karma, it'll come around and, and support. And so I think that there's room for everyone. There's no limit on how much you can say or promote or share with other people about other people. And so um, when people trust you and count on you to advocate for them, um, that says a lot. So uh, I like to share that and, and uh, share the stories of other people as well, not just me or what I'm doing to promote, but how can I help the next generation or other people just starting or um, really being a bullhorn for other people 
and and getting getting out the word about things. Yeah, those, those are some great tips. Great, and that's something I, I definitely um, I, I'm a big advocate for is promoting um, and supporting other other creators and and other people and organizations. Um, that I, I think doing that that like I said that energy that karma it, it comes back around. You know, you you get it back in some form or form or fashion. So um, just learn to give, learn to share, learn to you know uh, highlight and magnify what what other people are doing. Um, you know, I I think a lot of times we we even in the creative you know industry you know itself you know sometimes we get into that competition mode and feel like I don't want to you know I don't want to share their stuff I'm doing my own thing and um, when it's got to be vice versa I mean you got to have that reverse you know if you share and highlight other people um, and what they're doing it, it comes back to you um, you know in, in some weird way um, so. Yeah, that's those, those are some great tips. Uh, great tips. Even, you know, even liking and following and sharing can also just be a sign of really great support. You know, on yeah. social media, just to give people that um, confidence that they need to go on. Like, oh, this person's really consistent liking, and you know, just sends a little signal. And so, anytime you can like things and share them, it, it means a lot to people. You know, especially starting out or. Um, organizations that are, uh, you know, trying to promote artists, you know, it's sort of the ecosystem of art, creative arts out there. And so tapping into those and letting people know, making it known that you are there to support them. And what can we do to make this even better? And because the arts really enhance our lives. I mean, could you imagine without art and without creative people and without music or without opportunities, you know, you just can't, couldn't even imagine life without art and uh, going to an exhibit or going to a show or a concert, you know, so those people need our support. Um, and with social media, it's so easy to um, plug in and be a steady stream of support and advocacy, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so before we sign off, um, what are some, some lasting words of wisdom you can give for our audience? So something that can, you know, that I feel like would, or maybe you would feel like would resonate with their hearts and minds. Uh, what, what are those words of wisdom? Um, you know, I, a couple things that really, uh, I've lived by is, uh, don't take no for an answer. Right. So every time that someone tells me, no, we can't do it or we've never done it that way. That's just fuel for me. I say, no, we're going to find a way. If there's a will, there's a way to do that. And so um, with people, sometimes people give up too easy. And I think that those are uh, it's natural to say, well, this person told me no, but find a way. And I think that you can overcome the self-doubt but I, I just don't take no for an answer. I use it as fuel to find another way or do something bigger and bolder. And then, um, you know, the saying there's sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. And so sometimes we win and have a great success and, and do something great. And, uh, but, and then other times when it, it was a miss or a fail or it didn't succeed the way you wanted to, it's never a loss but it's a learn, it's a learning opportunity. And so um, when we don't reach the goal or we 
a new goal is set. Uh, and so learning from those things that didn't work out. Um, so uh, the only real goal is to never quit. Uh, I just went over my 30 year mark serving in the military, even though I'm in the reserves now. So 30 years, I could have never imagined my, with my personality and, uh, you know, my, my life, I, I could never have imagined, but I didn't quit on the days that I really wanted to quit. I didn't quit. And so, and there were many, uh, but the, the ultimate goal for me was to tell the story of our Marines. So when you have, when I had bad days and discouraging days and um, sad days of covering combat and, and loss, uh, you just think, I, I can't do this anymore. But when you deep, reach deep down and figure out what it is you want to do, you don't let those bad days um, sway you and just don't quit. And you'll always reach the goal or the the milestone or the longevity of it. So uh, don't take no for an answer. Don't quit. And sometimes you'll win, but and the other times you'll learn and then uh, which will create a really uh, successful life and you can feel good about what you're doing and the impact, the life of significance and impact that you're making on others. And now for me in my life at this point, it's looking in the rearview mirror and bringing along as many people as I can, um, really opening doors where I can and showing people how to do things. I, I tell people I've made a thousand mistakes you don't need to make my mistakes, make your own mistakes, but don't make all these mistakes. So I highlight my, not necessarily my successes. I highlight the mistakes I made so people don't make those ones. And so uh, those are some of those life lessons that, um, you know, I, I like to share. But opening doors for others really is is at the heart of everything I do right now, because um, the next generation of leaders, creatives, people working in our community, all those people that are coming up right now are going to face some really serious and significant challenges in our in our culture and our society. And they need all the tools that they can get and all the advice and wisdom and courage it's going to take to lead the next generation and lead our society into being successful and harmonious and, and living amongst each other and, and doing uh, getting us to the next generation. So, uh, they have a lot on their shoulders right now, that young generation right now. Yes, they do. That mm -hmm. is the truth. That's the truth. Um, well, before we sign off, you know, um, how can people reach out to you, get connected with you for, uh, for book signings, uh, yeah. to speaking engagements, um, or just to reach out to you on, on, uh, social media, you know, what's the best way to uh, connect with you? Thank you. I, you know, LinkedIn is one of my, is my platform of choice because I just love uh, LinkedIn is just a great way to stay connected professionally. So I'm on LinkedIn. Amy Forsyth is my name. I'm on Instagram too. I, I like that platform, Amy Forsyth 760 because I'm in the 760 area code. And then of course on my website, heroeslivehere.com, people can reach me there if they want to learn more about the book and see more of the inside of the book and um, learn where I'll be doing book signings and speaking engagements. But I would definitely love to come and share uh, the, the book and share my story. If you have an organization in the, in the community, veteran or otherwise, 
um, to talk about the creative process, about writing and uh, pulling together a coffee table style book with pictures and uh, a collaborative effort. By all means, I'd love to connect with people on Instagram, LinkedIn, and then the website heroeslivehere.com. Uh, that, that's great. That's great. So um, today, hey, thank you, Amy, for coming on to the show. Uh, appreciate it. Um, and I said, I, 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 we've been getting connected, but it was really good sort of hearing your story, seeing everything you've got going on. Uh, I know you're one of the high, and I can already tell you, high energy. Um, I, I know you've always got things going. So, um, and congratulations as well uh, on being inducted um, into the Hall of Fame too, as, as, as well. Um, like I said, that's, that that's, that's great into itself. So, um, but thank you for being on the show. Um, thank you. I, I will just really want to commend you for all that you're doing and sharing people's stories and inspiring people of all, of all ages, but especially that next generation. So thank you for everything that you're doing and promoting local businesses and, and sharing that just really, um, gets people out and about and out in town and enjoying their lives and really, uh, maximizing their own potential of uh, what they can make of their life. So thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So if you want to check out this show, uh, as well as future episodes, you can check it out on SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Um, if you want to help support the show, different ways of doing that, but you can go to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash the cradle brew. And then for the price of a cup of coffee, um, you can help support this episode as well as future episodes. Um, so I've got some other other things that I've got going on. Um, actually, have a art scholarship. So uh, for high school seniors uh, that's in the uh, creative arts, um, I, this is in remembrance of my uh, of my mom. Um, of my mom. And uh, so if you go to www.langforddesign.com and you click on the scholarship tab, uh, you'll see the information on the scholarship, how to submit for it. And um, so, yeah, this is something uh, that's in remembrance of my mom who just, you know, she just passed away, but, you know, she was a cradle, uh, cradle individual in herself. And I sort of consider her my first art teacher. Um, so this is something I, I want, me and my brother want to do to, to, uh, to honor her. So check it out, lengthydesign.com, go to the scholarship tab and uh, you can submit. So submit by April 30th and then we'll announce the winners um, in May. So, um, so that's something that, that I have going on. But other than that, this has been me. This has been Amy. And once again, this is the Cradle Brew. Be Cradle, stay inspired.